So as we continue our series on family, I want to start by acknowledging that because of all the different family dynamics that are out there, there's probably a lot of differences that we have within our family trees and such. Um, some of you have 50 cousins, like just as an example, things can get complicated. There's a lot of different family dynamics, but I think there's one thing that regardless of your family dynamics that we could all agree on, and it's this. The youngest child gets all the attention. Just curious, show of hands, if you're online, you can participate too. How many of you would agree with that statement? The youngest child gets all the attention. Yeah, and then another one, quick show of hands, how many of you are the youngest child? Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful, look at that. We gotta stick together. I also am the youngest child, and since we're going through a series on family, here's what my family of origin looks like. It's pretty simple, but of course I got my parents, um, and then I've got my oldest brother and sister, Michael and Michelle, my next brother and sister, Jeanette and Jason, and they kind of came in pairs. Like Michelle and Michael were born within a year and a half. Jeanette and Jason were born within two years. And then four years after Jason was born, <laughs> oops, there's Matthew. I was the blessing that came late in life <laughs> to my parents. And just from my perspective as a child, Obviously, everything that I got was overshadowed by my older brothers and sisters. Michelle and Michael were 13 and 12 years older than me. They still are. I haven't gained on them (laughs) in 41 years. But everything I did was kind of overshadowed. They left for high school. They left for college. And I was, you know, kind of the only kid at home. So do the youngest kids get more attention? Yes, because we need it. By the way, we also get all of the old clothes. All of them. (laughs) They're just stored up for years for us. It can be interesting just as you think about where you fit in your family. Maybe an only child. Maybe a child of 10. It's it's interesting how so much of who you are is really pegged on when you were born and what the order was. As the youngest child, I've got these things that, these stereotypes that I kind of fit into. And maybe wherever you're at, as the oldest one, you impose the rules on the younger ones. Or the middle children, I'm sorry, but we just don't know you. Like, (laughs) you're forgotten. I wonder where you're at. Maybe if you're meeting with your growth group this week, you can actually talk about this. You can talk about how your family was structured growing up and what impact that had on you. But the first thing I want to just share with all of you today is an obvious thing that we're going to build on for our message. It's that every family has a hierarchy. It's not just the birth order, but it's actually like a hierarchy of of roles, of authority within a household. And for me, that's what it, this is what it looks like today. Still, as the youngest child, I'm, I'm trying to gain on them, but it just won't work. Still, as the youngest child, there, there come decisions that the family wants to make. Just a recent example, like what do we do for our family reunion every other year? Which, by the way, if you want to stay close friends with your family members, meet them every other year. That's a great way to not fight. But we are talking about where to meet as a family, and I'm the youngest one. Who am I to tell them what we should do? So I'm very passive when it comes to my relationship with my siblings and my parents. If they ask me to do something, I'm happy to help, but who am I to tell them what to do? Maybe some of you have the opposite, as sometimes I do. 
Who are they to tell me what to do? Who's the boss here? And by the way, I think this explains so much of the passive aggression you get with extended family. It explains so much of the jabbing, so much of the undercutting comments, or as younger siblings, so much of the wrestling and fighting and name calling, all because we're trying to work out this hierarchy. Are you really the boss of me? Am I really the boss of you? Are you fit to be where you at? (laughs) And where we're going with this today is that as you think about your family dynamics and how you fit into the whole mix, now as you're kind of thinking through the tensions and the things that have been surfacing in your family recently, here's where I wanna go today. Just one question that I hope you can answer by the end of the message. How do you view the people in your family tree? How do you view the people in your hierarchy? Have you been labeling them because of the birth order? Have you been labeling them because of their title? Perhaps some of you are even here today listening online. You're you're the matriarch or the patriarch of the family. And people depend on you. They look to you for wisdom and advice. Some of you are kind of at the bottom of the family tree and you're just kind of passive. You're going along with the flow. But as you look at the other people, how do you view them? Or maybe more important, as we're gonna see today, what do you expect from them? Now, when it comes to family hierarchy and how to get along as, as households, Jesus never says the oldest shall be in charge and the youngest shall submit. In fact, God had a very opposite way of working. As you look at like King David, he was the youngest child, the least expected, but God decided he would not just be the king of Israel, but the one through whom the savior would come. Jacob, though he was younger than his twin brother Esau, Jacob is the one who got the birthright. God has this way of flipping things around and Jesus did the exact same thing on one day when his disciples were arguing about hierarchy. They were kind of nudging each other. They were undercutting each other and arguing and trying to lobby for who was the greatest, who was the boss. And in response, Jesus called them aside and told them this. He said, if you're arguing about hierarchy, there's something you should know. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles, the Roman government, they lord it over the people beneath them. Like they just own them. They tell them to do whatever they want. And their high officials, the high officials of the rulers, they exercise authority over them. It's a pyramid. There's levels of owning people, of telling them what to do. And Jesus just drops the mic with this one sentence. He says, not so with you. His kingdom is not about a hierarchy of who's the boss and who's the greatest, but rather as he would go on, he would instruct them, if you really wanna know who's the greatest among you, look for the one who is being your slave. They're the greatest one. And as we talk about hierarchy today, I just wanna, before I throw everything out, I wanna acknowledge that a hierarchy is useful strategy for organizations and even for churches to make good use of the resources they have. A hierarchy of roles is very good. But there's an important distinction we should make because where you are on the hierarchy, unfortunately, has a way of working its way into your identity. And that's what Jesus is going to work against today. So how do you view the people in your family tree? How do you view the people in your family tree? And also, how do you view your place in the family tree? 
in, in this section, Jesus shows what to do, become their slave. But in the next, what we're gonna look at today in John 15, he shows us why and how. And what I hope is that this changes the view of the people in your family. And maybe by the end, you have a different definition for this is us. So John 15 starts off this way. I wanna start with verse one, then we're gonna jump into verse four. Jesus starts this section by beginning an analogy or a picture that he's going to build on. He said, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. And he goes on for a few few verses to explain how the gardener will, will take care of the vine. He'll prune off branches that aren't doing anything so that the ones that are doing things will become even more healthy. And Jesus starts to give this picture of he is the vine and his father is the gardener. And then Jesus in verse five makes it super applicable for his disciples and for us. And this is where we start to see who we are in our family. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. So I know this is super simple, but I think it's time just to pause and remember what Jesus is saying. What is he He is the vine, and what are we? We are the branches. A vine is what gives nourishment, it gives potential, and it gives purpose to all the branches that are connected to it. The vine gives power, it gives potential, it gives purpose to the branches connected to it. And what do the branches do? The branches receive that nourishment and they create fruit. He doesn't say that you are just branches, And he says, we're in this together. I'm the vine, you're the branches. We both play an important part, but you need to know what your part is. So let's just solidify this. It's simple, but it's so important. Uh, Number two, Jesus is the vine. Everyone else is a branch. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're a branch. There we go. See, this is fun. Church can be interactive. Jesus is the vine. Everyone else is just, not just a branch. Everyone else is a branch. There's a close relationship and an inter, uh, something that we get to do together. But it's so important to remember who you are. Now, you're probably thinking, okay, we have to be careful not to reverse this because sometimes we might act like the vine and we treat God as our branch. Like, God, here's what you should do. That's a different message for a different day. But we're going to apply this concept to family relationships. And Jesus is going to show us what happens when we get this wrong. He also shows us the potential of getting this right. So I'll let his words guide us through this as he continues to talk about the vine and the branches. Again, he says, I am the vine, you are the... Yeah, you guys are good. This is great. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. This is common agricultural principles, right? When a branch stays connected to the tree, when a grapevine stays connected to the vine, you bear fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Just like when a branch is cut off, it dies. So if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. And he's not saying that this is like an eternal condemnation type thing. He's saying that when when you confuse the vine and the branch, when you get those two things mixed up, it, it makes everything not work the way it's supposed to. It makes family life really hard when you start to confuse the vine for the branch. 
And when we get these two things mixed up, it's not just that you know, life is a little bit harder, but it's the really tragic thing is that we lose out on what Jesus could actually do through you. He goes on to explain like, what happens as we stay connected. If, if you remain in me, and my words, my nourishment, my potential, my power for you, if my words remain in you, here's what you can do. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Dear God, make my brother a slave to me. No, not that kind of do whatever you ask. But when you are truly receiving the words of God in your heart, when he is speaking his will and his forgiveness and his life into your heart, it transforms the way you see yourself and the way you see your family. You begin to seek what God himself wants and God loves it when you pray for the things that he wants to give you. Ask whatever you want in my name. It will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory. It's not to make you a great person. It's to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And this brings to my mind another section that is pretty common. You've heard it before. It's from Galatians chapter five, and it really dives into what these fruits are that God just really wants to grow in you. And these fruits, just think through what this would do in your family, your immediate family, your extended family. The fruit of the spirit, the fruit that comes through Jesus into you is love, joy, peace, forbearance, another word for patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And before we move on, I want you to look at these things. The last time you were lacking one of these, why was that? Well, I'm angry because he did this. Well, I'm upset and have no patience because they keep doing this. And I'm, I'm judging myself here as a parent. I run out of patience because they just won't stop doing this, right? I'm blaming my lack of fruit on the people in my family tree. And by doing so, I am demonstrating that I am a branch connected to them, not to God. You see what happens when you start to be a branch connected to a person? Your fruits depend on them. If they don't behave, if they don't do what you want, then the fruits won't be there. Jesus said, of such a branch, it will wither, it will die, it will not bear the fruit that God wants it to bear. So number three, there will be conflict, there will be trouble when you mistake a branch for a vine. There are some times when you'll have people within your family or even beyond that, just your close friend circle where you depend on them for things that only God can give. And in those circumstances, you're turning a branch into a vine. You're depending on a person, a fellow branch to give you the power, the purpose, and the potential that only God can give. And the thing is, depending on your personality and depending on your family hierarchy, there, there's a lot of different ways this can come across for you in your life. And I ran this by the people last night in our Saturday night service, and they said, this is good, so we, I should keep it in the sermon. But here's four ways that it, it can look when you confuse the branch for a vine. And here's the first one. It's where you say, I'm the vine and you're my branch. 
So you're gonna do what I want you to do. Here's what I think you should do with your life. Here's the person I think you should marry. Here's your purpose. Here's how to get there. And when you as a vine determine someone else's life, you are being their vine and you are treating them as your branch. Some of you have felt this on the other end where you were someone else's branch and they were telling you exactly what to do with your life and they were maybe even manipulating you to do certain things. I'm the vine, you're my branch, will lead to nothing but conflict and this is not the path of love. Second one, I'm the branch and you're my vine. This could be a valentine. By the way, no Super Bowl references today. You're welcome. <laughs> Just Valentine's Day. I'm the branch and you're my vine, which basically means I depend on you for my purpose. I need you to tell me who I am. I need you to tell me I'm okay. I need your affirmation. I need your approval. And when you depend on someone for those things, you're making them your vine. And as good as they might be, there is no substitute for the true vine. Two more, these are kind of easy. We're both competing as vines, so maybe in your family circles, in your family hierarchy, you've got two very you know, go-getter type people who just compete because they both know what's best for the family and they both know what to do and there's times when they're really competing for who's attached to them and it can be a path of conflict, not a path of love. And then the opposite, there can be times when there are competing branches uh, maybe siblings who are competing for the affirmation for the love of dad or mom. And they're crawling over each other because they need to hear from mom or for dad or from a, a relative just how important they are and how they're the best child, which, by the way, we all know is the youngest. As you think about your family hierarchy, where do you fit in on this? Do you see one of these coming to the forefront when you think of a person in your family tree? Or maybe even better, where do you see yourself? Have you been competing with other branches? Are you competing with another vine? Have you been a vine making branches for yourself or a branch who's been depending on a person as a life source for you? Well, as Jesus goes on in this parable, not this parable, this metaphor of the vine and the branches. He gets to the point. He says, here's, here's why I'm making a big deal about this. There's one thing to talk about the vine and the branches, but here's the ultimate goal he has for me and for you at the end of this all. He said, as the Father has loved me, here's what I want, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, and he'll come back to this on the next screen, uh, he'll come back to what he means by his commands. But he says, if you keep them, like guard them, don't let them go, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my father's commands and I remain in his love. Now, I have told you all this not to burden you, like, oh, here we go again. We have to be loving to our siblings. This is not a burden for you, but I share this with you that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. This isn't a feel guilty because you haven't been getting along with your family type of a thing. This is a, there's so much joy waiting for you that Jesus wants you to have. He is the vine. We are the branches. And when you get that right, 
it has a profound impact on how you view the people in your family tree. And he goes back to his command. So what is my command? Like, what is the big deal that I want to get toward? He simply says this. My command is love each other as I have loved you. And the only way you can do this is when you remember the difference between the vine and the branch. And as we wrap this up, I wanted to add two more verses. This isn't in your handout if you're following along. So this is like extra credit stuff. So verses 13 and 14 really land the plane for us because I think that just as we get to this part of it, a a big part of me and maybe a big part of you is feeling like, I don't know if I can do this. Like my family, not my family, maybe your family, my family's perfect, but maybe your family, you know, there's some long-term drama, some some long-term things that have just never been resolved. And maybe just as we get towards the end of the sermon, this isn't about fixing the past. We'll get that, we'll get that later in the sermon. I'll let Ben figure all that out. But as you look towards the future, this is more just about how you view the people around you. And the command to love one another as Christ has loved us is not a burden that he places on you. It's an invitation. Ultimately, an invitation that we're all going to mess up as we all have in the past. I can't count how many times I've mistaken a branch for a vine and a vine for a branch and how many times I've gotten it mixed up. And as you carry the picture of what Jesus said to its fruition, I can only imagine how many times God must have viewed me as a branch that should just be cut off and thrown away because there was no fruit coming from it. So as Jesus lands the plane on this, he brings up something that is so amazing. He says, up to this point, I just invite you to love one another as, lo- as I have loved you. But there's a greater form of love that he was about to show. You see, these words were the night before he died. And he was about to make good on what he said next. He said, greater love has no one than this. Horrible English word order. I don't know why they did it this way. Um, if, if this sounds confusing... This is what it says in the Greek. Nobody has a greater version of love than this. There's no greater way to show love than this. To lay down your life for a friend. This is the greatest form of love a person could have. And you might think Jesus is about to say, you are my friends if you lay down your lives for me. We know that Peter had already made that promise and would not make good on it. But instead, as Jesus goes on, he says, it's not your role as the branch to lay down your life for me. That is my role as the vine to lay down my life for you. What Jesus continues with, he says, you're my friends simply if you do what I command. Well, what do you command? Love one another. Start seeing each other for what you really are. Start viewing the people in your family tree as branches. You're all branches, all together with one vine and that is Jesus. And the remarkable thing is that when it comes to what Jesus did with this whole analogy, you know, he could have made himself the tree of life or this amazing thing that would never end. But instead, as the story would unfold in the next day after this, the branch that we are should have been cut off and thrown away. But instead, it was the vine. The vine became a branch that was cut off and separated from his father as he suffered and died on a cross. So that by doing so, he would create a new family, a new place where a church could be grown. Followers of Jesus would have a new identity 
through what he did. This is really what it all gets down to, a new identity. Like, who are you really? You're not defined by your relation to others on a family hierarchy. And just because there's different branches in your family tree, that doesn't change who you are in God's sight. A hierarchy is important for strategy, for implementing roles and being efficient, but it should not have a bearing on your identity. So here's what I want you to remember from Jesus' words today. Your place in the hierarchy does not change your identity Just because you have 50 cousins doesn't change who you are. You're still a branch. Jesus is still the vine. Just because you're a patriarch or a matriarch doesn't change who you are. Jesus is still your vine. You are still his branch. Being a youngest child means you're the greatest person in the world. Because Jesus is your vine and you are his branch. If you're an only child, it doesn't change who you are. Jesus is your vine. You are his branch. If your children are misbehaving, they are branches just like you. Their purpose is not to do your purpose and to do your will, but would you view them rather as branches connected to the true vine? Imagine what this would do for you this week. If you could, in those moments of frustration, when people aren't doing what you want. Instead of viewing them as branches connected to you, you would say, no, we are fellow branches connected to the vine. The power, the purpose, the identity you have comes from him, not from me. And what freedom would you find if you were able to go through life remembering that even though there are some strong authority figures in your, in your family, you're not connected to them. You are a branch who is connected to the true vine. Jesus. Your purpose, your identity comes from him. So here's a simple exercise that I'm doing this week. I invite you to do it if you want. Um, Guys, men, you'll probably find something better. So if you do this, it's not that you're doing what I told you to do because you're totally too manly for that. But a simple phrase just to remind you of who you are and who's in your family tree. Jesus is my vine. I am his branch. Jesus is my vine. I am his branch. The kids are misbehaving. But Jesus is my vine. I am his branch. My children, they are a branch. And Jesus is their vine. And families, my family, your family, we're all just a bunch of branches. Fellow branches connected to the true vine that gives purpose and life and hope and healing. But just imagine what this would do in your heart this week if you could say this to yourself every day, every moment. Imagine the fruits that God would give if you stopped attaching your branch to another person, but instead attached yourself to the true living vine who is Jesus. Imagine the fruits of joy and peace and patience and kindness. Imagine the way you could love one another as you remember who you are. Jesus is my vine. I am his branch. My family tree, we're all fellow branches connected to that one vine. This is us. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, I pray for wisdom and courage 
as we take these words from Jesus in John chapter 15 and apply them to our families. The dynamics of various families can be so different, but at the same time, we're all the same. There are temptations to confuse the role of vine and branch to the point where some of us have been acting like a vine, some of us have been treating others as our branches, and maybe on any given day, we just simply rotate between those two things. Help us to break free from finding our identity and our purpose in anything other than you. Help us to find our joy and peace through the forgiveness that Jesus, the true living vine, gives to us. When we crave validation, let us find it through the vine. When we look for hope, let us find it in our vine. And when we look for purpose, let us find it through our vine. Give us the wisdom this week to be able to navigate these things and to recognize when we're starting to enter conflict or uneasiness. Give us wisdom to see what's really going on and give us the courage to be able to to call a branch a branch and to call you our only true vine. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that works in us in ways we can't imagine to grow these fruits of love and joy and patience and kindness and all the others. It's a miracle to see those things come and I pray that they would be even more abundant as we remember who we are and who you are. Thank you, Jesus, for your love and for your goodness. It's in your name we pray, amen.